So Eric, we got Carlos on the line. What do you want to ask him? What advice would you give to someone listening if they wish they were more decisive? If they need just that extra step to just keep on going. So number one, work on your mindset. Secondly, start really being selective of who you are hanging out with on a regular basis and what Mm -hmm. rooms you are in on a regular basis. Because if you're hanging out with people that are going after big things and they're doing big things, eventually that's contagious. That's going to inspire you to continue to do that and to level up to the next level. Never be the smartest person in the room. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Very excited. we got another Ask the Expert episode coming on the line today. Two great people with us. we got Carlos Salguero and we have Eric Burns with us. So, Carlos, you're up to bat first. How are you doing today? Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to have you. This is, this is a lot of fun. So, do us a favor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. I am originally from Ecuador, Quito, Ecuador. Nice. Came to the the U.S. at 17 years old. Mm -hmm. First ever in my family to come to the U.S. Okay. No no contacts, no network, and no family, very little money. And I came with just about a semester's worth of money for Mm -hmm. college. And then my dad said, hey, figure it out. After the first semester, you're on your own. So you know, uh, I finished my undergrad. I got my master's uh, mm-hmm. in business and engineering. And then I went to work for a big corporation, Hewlett Packard in mm-hmm. Silicon Valley. I was uh, an employee there. I started working for free. Mm-hmm. I was a free intern because they were not hiring engineers without experience, right? It's funny that yep. you go to college, you get your degree, and, and then uh, you start applying. And they're like, Where's your experience? I was like, I just graduated. Yeah, right. So I I basically said, hey, look, do you have any positions where I can get my foot in the door and said, well, we have a couple internships. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how much you pay? They're like, nothing. I'm like, all right, sign me up. (laughs) I started working as a free intern. Mm -hmm. After six months, they saw that I was serious and that I was committed. Mm -hmm. And they hired me as a junior engineer, then senior engineer. And within five years that I was there, I became an engineering manager for North America, laser printing. Mm -hmm. So really fast growth and in the corporate world. Yeah. You know, uh, I I was still missing something. Mm -hmm. And then I, at that point, uh, it was right in the early 2000s, the dot-com bubble Mm -hmm. uh, popped and a lot of the big billion-dollar corporations like HP started shrinking. Yep. And a lot of the startups went out of business, which, yeah. uh, you know, thankfully I stayed at the big corp, but I was asked at that point, I had a hundred engineers under under me and I said, Hey, Carlos, you need to reduce in half. So I had to fire 50 engineers. Ouch. Yeah. For no rhyme or reason, right? It was just uh, shrinking layoffs. Yeah. And that really cut me deep because I was like, look, I'm never going to be put in a position again where I have to, you know, have somebody's future in my hand where I couldn't mm-hmm. control it. So that lit a fire to go start a business. And Mm -hmm. I started a side business. I started selling on eBay, of all things. Mm -hmm. That's when eBay was getting started. And a lot of folks told me, man, 
it's just a garage sale thing. It's not going to last. The internet is a fad and <laughs> e-commerce is a fad. And, and I was like, you know what? I, th- I think I can do something here. And I was making a little bit of money. So I mm-hmm. moonlighted and on that. And I, you know, worked full-time at HP and I worked full-time at my, at my, at my business. Mm-hmm. And within six months, I was replacing my income from Hewlett Packard and I said goodbye to them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that led for me to, build this e-commerce company that later on I added logistics and fulfillment mm-hmm. uh, that led me to buying real estate commercial real estate because I needed a warehouse for my products and my fulfillment operation and I got my first commercial building uh 12 years ago mm-hmm. 50,000 square feet uh warehouse nice. here in uh, in Denver and uh you know I was scared man I was so yeah. scared like my first big deal um I didn't know how to buy real estate how to underwrite it I didn't mm-hmm. know anything but it was more a business need. Yeah. So I did it anyways. And I'm glad I did that. That yeah. building now, I still own it, uh, has appreciated nine times what I paid mm-hmm. for it nice. 12 years ago. So, so so you're saying you did that for your own business. You had this business, you had the fulfillment, and you needed the space. And so you you decided to buy the building instead of leasing. Yeah, I, I was yeah. renting. I was renting yeah. warehouses all the way through that, right? Yeah. And and I became at some at some point, I became aware that mm-hmm. wow, I'm paying rent, yeah, and and I'm paying every other expense as well because they were triple net commercial yep. leasing. So I was paying rent, real estate taxes, insurance, mm-hmm. own area, and I was like, might as well own, yeah, right, might, might as well. So that pushed me to go buy it, and uh, you know, I got an SBA loan for it. I had a, mm-hmm. a small down payment, ten percent down payment, which was big, yeah, for, the, for what I for what I wanted to do. And, uh, but you know what, it got my foot in the door and by then I had become a, a hobby residential real estate investor, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we kind of did the thing of, uh, we upgraded a home and we never sold our last one. We turned it into a rental. Eventually we turned those into Airbnbs, yep. so did that thing for a while, but never really focused on real estate until uh a couple of years ago when uh you know i started along the way a supplement business on the <laughs> internet and man this supplement business grew to eight figures in 18 months so i started a, a nutritional supplement we really kicked it out of the park uh you know we had perfect timing perfect products and it was right during covid when we hit critical speed because uh during covid mm-hmm. everybody went to online shopping yeah they couldn't go to the stores so online shopping exploded and our business just took off and and you know we kind of did the right thing which is we sold at the highest point in that mm-hmm. in that swing and that created some liquidity for me so at that point i was like man i have i have some money yeah what do i do with it because because i realized to, and i told myself wow brian i've 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 learned how to make the money mm-hmm. i've learned how to save some money but I have not learned how to multiply my money once in, once, I, once I have it. So until then, I was like, oh, you know what? Now I have a bigger problem. I have all this money sitting in my bank account. Yeah. Doing nothing, actually losing value. Terrible problem to have, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the second problem, my tax liability. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I need to learn how to, how to, you know, do something to offset my taxes. Yeah. So that led me to a quest of really learning real estate and finding mm-hmm. which is the best asset class that I could pursue. And my gut feeling was apartments, right? Mm-hmm. I started shopping for apartments, 
I started looking at OMs. I started talking to brokers, but I just didn't know how to underwrite, how to analyze, how to put an LOI in. And then I started going to some seminars, some conferences. And, you know, I went to a conference where they were talking about 100 unit deals and 200 unit deals and and stop buying four unit uh, deals. And I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. So I came back inspired mm -hmm. and I found my first apartment complex, which is a mixed property. Yep. Uh, put it on the contract, $20 million deal. And I ended up closing it. So I was like, oh, wow, that wasn't that hard. Yeah. Um, and that's really what started my journey of apartment investing. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the last 15 months or so, we've accumulated 1,200 units. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's some, some amazing growth. And, you know, it, it's rare that I hear somebody say their first deal was a $20 million deal. So, you know, uh, good on you for for getting that uh, getting that size of a deal as your first deal. But uh, I, actually, was, I guess your first was, deal was that that warehouse or the. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my first deal, if I, if I think real estate, real estate, my first deal was our townhome that we never sold. Mm -hmm. We went to a single family home. Yep. And instead of us selling it, we rented it. Yeah. Right. That was my very first, first deal. Right. Yeah. And then a little bit bigger than that. And then the commercial and the commercial real estate, mm -hmm. my warehouse was my first deal. Right. All right. Now on the multifamily side, you say you're, you're over a thousand units right now. Who else is on your team? You know, it's typically a team sport, difficult for an individual to do. So who's on your team and how did you build that team? Yeah. Look, uh, the first one I did pretty much by myself. Mm -hmm. I've been building businesses for the last 20 years. But one thing I did I did have walking into this is I did have some experience of how to properly build teams because you know I have a logistics company still with 50 yep. employees and many of these. So I was like, you know what? The first one, I always do things by myself. The first one mm -hmm. just to learn every aspect. Yeah. I did I did it in e-commerce, I did it in logistics, I did it in marketing. So I'm going to learn every aspect. So the first one I basically was my own acquisitions guy, my yep. own legal team, my own finance team, my own underwriter, mm -hmm. uh, everything. And I got it done on the money racing side. I recruited a couple of guys that were hungry to be part of this project. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, help me maybe raise yeah. a little bit of money for it. So that was the extent of the first one. After the first one, I realized, you know what, if I want to go bigger, I now need a finance director that is my underwriter so we yep. can go through a lot of deals. I need some acquisitions folks that are walking properties for me and talking to brokers. And uh, I need, you know, to start building my backroom, yeah. which is my investors relations, my accounting, my asset management so that I can now build a team. So now we have all those roles and mm -hmm. I'm still, you know, growing the team because we're buying a lot right now. Nice. What's your target market for acquisitions? Look, I like uh, red states. I like Tennessee. We have properties in Tennessee. We have properties in Georgia. We have properties mm -hmm. in Florida, Texas. So uh, Sunbelt is my target market. Positive migration states mm -hmm. where people are moving to. I like that. And I think that, uh, you know, a landlord friendly state is where yeah. I want to be. I agree. I think there's a lot of bonuses to be in landlord friendly states. You're in Denver right now though, right? Yeah. Just curious. What are your thoughts on investing in Denver? I have mixed feelings. Like okay. I, yeah. I analyze deals here because it's in my backyard. Yep. But I've again, I go back to it's not necessarily a landlord friendly state, although it's still easy to evict people, right? So yep. you know, in my commercial warehouse, I have rented parts of that, mm -hmm. and I haven't had much of an issue. But I would invest if the conditions were right, just because I'm here. It's easy, right? It's it's manageable. Yeah. Team is right, but I, you know, I think to a certain extent, Brian, what what mm -hmm. I realized 
is that me buying in other states almost forced me to create really high-performing teams mm-hmm. that can manage properties outside of here, yeah. and have boots in the ground people there. Yeah. And it forces me not to be too much involved in it, right? Yeah. I like that. that healthy distance. Makes it an, a business and not you're, you're not self-employed. So 100%. yeah, forces you to have the team, to build the team, to find the right people on the ground and who can who can do all that for you. Well, that's really cool. I, you know, happy to see, you know, what you've been able to do in, in such a short time in the multifamily space. I mean, absolutely amazed at the businesses you've already set up and run and, and, and what you've done. So especially as a 17 year old coming from Quito, you know, so long ago with, you know, not a lot of money in your pocket, you know, anyway, hats off to you. Well done. And, you know, very, very impressed. But so one thing I like to do is, you know, take a property or take a deal and do a a little bit of a dive into it. So pick a deal that uh, you've done and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, for sure. You know, my favorite one so far is the Gateway Village Mm -hmm. in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Okay. Mixed use property, class Mm -hmm. A property in a class A location. Yeah. I'll pull up a picture if you guys want to see it. And while he's looking for, I'll tell you, if you're listening to this, it's, you know, go over to our YouTube channel so you can see the picture. Yeah. Plug the YouTube channel while I'm at it. All right. So hopefully you can see the property. Yeah. Wow. This one's my favorite so far. It's called the Gateway Village. Is the three buildings, the mm-hmm. two buildings in the front and the, and the building in the back. Yep. That behind it is a hospital that serves 15 million patients a year. Wow. Right on Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is 30 minutes away from Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, this deal I found on Crexy.com of all okay. places. I picked up the phone, called the broker. I had a friend that lived in Nashville who was my partner in some of the deals. Mm-hmm. And I called him and I said, hey, James, man, come down and take a look at this property. It looks beautiful on a picture. Yeah. He went and, and he FaceTimed me from, from the location. He's like, Carlos, this place is amazing, right? Yeah. And sure enough, I was there 48 hours later, walked the property. Uh, the broker told me, hey, do you mind if the uh, developer, the owner, shows you around? And I was like, no, please. Of course. I want that. I met the seller first time I walked the property and uh, he had built this as his you know, pride and joy. Uh, he's a very wealthy real estate mm-hmm. investor in his 80s that had been investing in this area for 60 years, uh, yep. mostly in land and industrial complexes. What's interesting, he built this one for for himself as his residence. Lived in the penthouse, still my tenant today, both in the penthouse and uh, in the commercial, in a couple of commercial spots. Nice. And you know, one thing that I loved about this deal is that I bought it exactly at what the income it was bringing in. So the valuation was not inflated. It was not on pro forma that they yeah. were to me. One big, big bonus for this deal was that the rents were under market. Mm-hmm. Even though it was a class A property, the rents were under market by a couple hundred bucks yep. on the residential. And on the commercial, it had 66% vacancy on the commercial. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started doing research on the area and I found out that the commercial vacancy in Murfreesboro, Tennessee is 4%. Yeah. So I was like, man, that's a huge gap. 66%. At the Gateway Village, 4% in Murfreesboro, that doesn't jive. Me thinking out loud, you got that gigantic hospital right next to it. You should be able to to keep that the commercial space full just because, I mean, you got doctors and nurses and families who are there with people. I mean, that should be pretty easy to, to get leased up at 100% where it's at. So yeah, that, that was my opportunity, right? That's where mm-hmm. I saw the big opportunity for this deal. And I'm like, you know what? I underwrote it. It was cash flowing. I put a loan on it, still cash flowed, about 5% cash on cash year one mm-hmm. after I underwrote it. And then we'll grow as we grow 
on the residential rent and on the commercial. And uh, sure enough, you know, got it closed, uh, took me five months. Uh, it was not an easy uh, transaction because mm -hmm. I closed on this in March of this last year. Mm -hmm. And right around when we we're about to close is when the market started. Yeah. In interest rates, right? Debt market started doing crazy things at that time. Yeah. So the lenders, the, our mm -hmm. lender was a little nervous. Yeah. took away a million dollars of my proceeds two weeks before close. So I had yep. to scramble and find a million bucks. And then also they raised our interest rate at about 50 basis points. But you know what happened, which was super cool, uh, which in hindsight, it was great. Mm -hmm. We had a variable rate going in. Mm -hmm. Instead, they said, hey, we're going to fix your rate. We're going to we're gonna increase it. Oh, yeah, basis. totally. But we're gonna fix it, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, great, yeah. Now I know how valuable that was. Oh my goodness, yeah. Right? I mean, I I know a lot of people that uh, spent six figures on rate cap insurance about that same time, and they've actually made up for it by now. But if you could yeah. fix a rate, I mean, March last year, I mean, Sofer was still you know under one. So what was the rate you guys locked in? So we locked in at five and a quarter. Okay. This, which is amazing for this yeah. type of property, right? Because, you know, as you know, commercial with businesses, yep. rates are a little bit higher, but, <laughs> you know, great rate. And, you know, in the last nine months that we've owned this property, it has exceeded all my expectations. Mm -hmm. I, I I put a person on my team that is on site every single day so that we can give proper customer service to our tenants and mm -hmm show units at a moment's notice. And, you know, we've been able to raise rents by about $450 okay. uh, residential instead of the 200. So, mm -hmm. you know, blew up uh, the projections there. Other incomes as well, you know, I was projecting $50 for pet rent. I raised yeah. it to $75 and didn't have anybody bat an eye. Again, you know, the tenants here are doctors, nurses, you know, Absolutely. high, high, high income uh, professionals. Yeah. And the commercial, which is where really I saw the big opportunity. I've signed a lease with a med spa for mm -hmm. 15 years. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a nice lease. Yeah. Yeah. Like with 5% escalations year over year for 15 years. Oh, wow. That's, 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 that's a good number. Yeah. A nail salon that, you know, spent a lot of money in the build out. It looks yeah. beautiful. And, you know, she's in for, Five years with two five-year extensions, triple net leases, both. Yeah. And then third one to an F45 fitness franchise as well that, you know, okay. signed a, a 10-year lease at, uh, you know, $29 yeah. a square foot, triple so net. I've been to F45 before. That's that's a good little little program. Yeah, and so, he, he's established. Uh, yeah. He has three other locations in Nashville. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's a good franchisee that knows how to run yeah. the business. Good. Now, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you know, you can check it out. The pictures are there, but you know, you got two commercial buildings up front. They're beautiful. And first thing I notice is the roofs are completely white, which means, you know, recently redone or, or maybe the building's brand new. Right behind it, you have the apartment building. So definitely mixed use property. And then right behind it, I mean, literally across the street, you have the hospital. So you know, perfect place to live for, you know, a, a hospital employee. And then the the retail area, you know, perfect place for somebody from the hospital to, you know, walk across the street, get out of the hospital, grab a bite to eat and and, and be done. So one of the things I noticed, Brian, too, is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Morgan Stanley, big, big tenant. Yep. Plastic surgeon. There's a, an OBGYN clinic uh, in the yeah. in the main building in the back in the first floor. There's a sports ortho urgent care yeah. and there's a physical therapy clinic as well as tenants. So, you know, it, it, the tenancy was incredible as it is. It, it, yeah. just, it, it just needed a lot of marketing and attention, which I feel this year, 
we've calculated the upside already. So I bought this for 20 mil. Mm-hmm. It's worth it's worth 29 right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I have another 11 or $12 million of value that I can add this year if I lease the rest of the commercial. Nice. Well, hey, great, great deal. I'm going to hit the stop sharing button so we can get you guys back on the screen. But that's that's absolutely amazing. So real quick, uh, one question I, I like to ask everybody, and that's that's what's next for you? Yeah, look, we are buying a lot of property. So after that one, it was another one, another great deal. And right now I have a, a, another property under contract that's very similar to this, looks almost the same. Nice. But it, uh, it is about triple the size. It's 138 units with 21,000 square feet of commercial at the bottom. So another nice. mixed use deal in Lakeland, Tennessee, which is uh, three hours away from this one. Nice. Yes. Well, hey, good luck on that one. I mean, if it's even close to what you've done with this one, it sounds like, you know, hopefully it's a home run as well. But once again, if you, if you're, if you're listening and you're not on YouTube, you know, check this out on YouTube there, you know, it's, it's really kind of telling, I think you have a better idea of what uh, the project is, you know, looking at it while he's explaining. But anyway, that said, we're going to, switch gears and, and introduce Eric. And just so everybody knows, Eric had jaw surgery a little bit ago. He, uh, his jaws wired shut right now, but you know, we, we had a, we had an intro call a couple hours ago just to make sure we were, we we're going to, it was going to work out, but that's going to explain a little bit. But anyway, Eric, welcome. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Carl, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. So my name's Eric Burns. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, born and raised. Graduated from Miami University in 2004 with a finance degree. And then from there, I started actually working for the Cincinnati Fire Department, where I became a fire lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And that is my W-2 job. So kind of my background and how I got into real estate was with a single family student housing. Yep. The easiest deal on the planet. It was it was so terrifying at the time. But mm-hmm. I bought this thing with a hand-typed letter off-market. And then they give me the keys and I go, oh my gosh, I'm a landlord now what? And I what just now? Think, and then I when I sold it, I thought, oh my gosh, why weren't why aren't they all that easy? Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh that was my that was how I dipped my feet in the water. And from there I started renovating uh duplexes and you know, just kind of the old system where I would buy one that needed uh work, yeah, fix it up on a construction loan, refinance it, clear my debt, and do it over. Yeah. And the very first one I did was actually uh, all sweat equity. So I learned a ton mm-hmm. uh, how to estimate work, how long it takes, you know, really got into how buildings are put together and learn how to do tile. And then I figured out it's worth paying the pros. So yeah. that was my biggest lesson. Pay the pros. They do a much yeah. better job and they do it faster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that uh, that I'm I'm trying to to do more and more of is, uh, you know, figure out what I'm good at and, you know, find people who can jump in and, you know, do everything else for me, but uh, pay the, pay the pros to do what they do. That's awesome. So Eric, one, one question for you. And I just realized I missed this with Carlos. So, you know, Carlos will have to come back and, uh, I'll ask you the same question next, Carlos, but, uh, uh Eric, what's, uh, looking at your motivation, what's your big burning? Why? Yeah. So, um, I actually decided two years ago, February 2021, I joined a mastermind to transition into multifamily. Mm-hmm. And it was surrounding that big why. Yep. And I read a book about financial freedom. And I thought, you know what? Like, yeah, like I want to get out and experience life. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be limited in what I can experience, what I can give back mm-hmm. by my bank account. So, yeah. you know, I, I see a lot of potential in in uh building wealth through multifamily syndications and to be able to go and say, you know what? I want to go fly fish in Patagonia. That's my bucket list trip. Yeah. You know, I want to do that. I don't want to have to sit there 
and say, well, maybe if I save up for eight years, I want to be able to do that trip, you know, and when somebody comes to you and then, you know, and, and you can help them and, and mm-hmm. give back, it's like, that's a very powerful, rewarding position to be in. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a big deal. So that's how I got into multifamily, why I got into multifamily. Yeah. I'm still working on that first deal. So maybe on your way back from uh, Patagonia, you can hang out with Carlos in like Guayaquil on the beach there. But yeah. <laughs> but So Carlos, same question for you. I apologize for getting it out of sequence. I mean, you probably don't care, but uh, what's your big burning why? Look, first and foremost, Brian, is my family. You Absolutely. know, I, yeah. uh, I wanted to provide a full, absolute financial freedom for mm-hmm. generations to come. That's, uh, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. He grew from complete and absolute poverty to a small business owner in Ecuador. And yeah. I think he tried his best with the knowledge and resources he had available, but he ran out of, he ran out of life. Yeah. Right. And so for me to take on some of those learnings and now really hone in and build generational wealth that Love will it. outlast me and that will, you know, be passed on to my to my children and the children of my children and mm-hmm. so forth and so on is awesome. very important in a wise manner, right? Mm-hmm. Not 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 a not a here's a gift of money, but here's a gift of knowledge first. Yep. And if you if you if you pass certain tests, then you might get the money. But I'd rather you also build your own. And secondly, which kind of is in line with Eric, what Eric said is look, I've realized that over the years, for me is incredibly fulfilling to teach other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial financial wealth, money, business, real estate. And that's one of the things that really gets me up in the mornings mm-hmm. when I can see someone that maybe was uh, a W2 employee like me when I was yeah. at a GB and, and, and is trying to get out of the, the, the corporate the corporate environment or, mm-hmm. you know, is looking to move to a, a higher degree of financial freedom that I can empower them, give them some tools, some inspiration, some education. You know, I, I go by the four E's, right? For me, yep. it's educate, edify, empower, and encourage. So yeah. if I can help people with those with those four, maybe someone can take action, go do something big, and then come back a few years later and say, hey, Carlos, you know what? I heard you on a podcast. Yep. I heard you on a Zoom. I was part of your mentorship program, and I was able to go do this and change the financial future for my family. Yeah. You know, that to me is worth more than any money in the world when yeah. I can impact other people and other families. Impact. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to hit my favorite part of the show where I put the mic into Eric's hands. So, Eric, we got Carlos on the line. What do you want to ask him? Yeah, Carlos. So um, I'm going to kind of go out of order because I think my my, my questions for you are going to be surrounded by just your entrepreneurial spirit, really. You know what I mean? Like for you, you got it from your your father. For me, I you know I picked up on picked it up from my grandfather. My family started a lot of small businesses on their own. So through your whole story, all I heard was decisiveness, how adaptable you are, you know, hustle and grit. So I guess my question would be, um, right away, what makes you so decisive? You know, how like where do you get the stomach for it? Yeah, it doesn't it's not easy all the time. I know, I know. You know, I I've been building the muscle for it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was super hard to be the first of my family here in the U.S. by myself. I can tell you, yeah. one of the hardest times in my life was those first two years of me growing up in Ecuador with a massive family, lots mm-hmm. of cousins, lots of family. My mom, my dad, both incredibly supporting parents, and now I'm deployed in a brand new country, new culture. English is my second language. 
I have to work full time, go to school full time. So that that just started building some bit of a callus, right? And and yeah. some muscle to just not give up and to just be pushing forward every day. So I think I started early, uh, and that started when I was by myself with no family, no contacts, no money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and over time, one of the big things that I am thankful to, and a lot of people maybe don't even know about this, my story, but I became part of several network marketing business ever since I was a teenager. And one of the big things that I learned from network marketing is that these guys always push me to read books, mm-hmm. listen to tapes and do self-development. So from an early age, maybe 15 was my first time that I got involved in a network marketing business, even back in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. You know, I always had a book in my hand. I always was listening to a tape and, and that, that was my, my school outside of school. So, you know, every single book that you can think of of self-development at some point, I was, I was, mm-hmm. I was listening to it or reading it. And, uh, and that kept my mindset really hone in on the goal and, and what was next, right? Yeah. Instead of me trying to think of, you know what, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to throw in the towel because it would have been really easy to go back home and just, you know, uh, enjoy a little bit of the comfort of, you know, my mom's cooking and, and, and that was one of the hardest things guys, leaving, leaving the comfort of your home. In fact, yeah. I'll tell you a quick story about this, uh, Eric, uh, when I graduated college and I got my master's degree, I thought, I fully thought that my next step was going to go back and run my dad's business, which was a small printing company in mm-hmm. Ecuador. And I called him up and I said, Hey dad, I, uh, here's, here's my diplomas, right? Yeah. You wanted me to have diplomas. Here's my diplomas. I'm ready to go back. And he's like, what do you mean? Go back. He's like, no, I want to go back and run the business and I help you and be your partner. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm, son, you know what? I actually am going to just scale down the business. I'm going to sell the machines. I'm going to sell the assets. And I'm going to just go live in my farm because by then he got bought a little farm mm-hmm. and that was kind of his dream. Right. So I'm like, dude, I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, my dad doesn't want me back. Number one, yeah. number two, he doesn't want me to go run the business. Mm-hmm. But I think that he turned me down because in his wisdom, one of his yeah. dreams all his life was to come and live here in the States. Like th- that was his dream. So as growing up, he brainwashed us. The U.S. is the best country of the world. The, the U.S., the American dream, freedom, opportunity, yeah. right? We heard it all along. In fact, he put us in an American school in, in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, every Monday we would sing the national anthem of Ecuador and the United States. Mm-hmm. So, so we became like United States citizens before we ever came to this country, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And when he turned me down, Eric, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to make a life here. And at that point, I knew the U.S. was where I was going to build everything. And sure enough, man, I'm so thankful to this beautiful country because everything my dad said, I get the chills just saying it, guys. Uh, You know, I found my wife here. My kids were born here. My businesses were born here. Uh, Every single opportunity has been available to me here. And it was everything my my dad said growing up and then some. Yeah, I think I think the reality you realize this. I'm sure you realize this now. The reality he wasn't rejecting you; he wanted something better for you. You know, and and my my dad would have done the same thing. My dad would have been. He he told me, you know, many many years ago. My dad worked for the post office, and at one point I I told my dad I wanted to be just like him. You know, and I dressed up and was delivering mail, and he was just like, "No, I don't want you to do that." And at first it was the same thing with me. It's like my dad's rejecting me. I want to be just like him. But he explained 
It's like, I want you to be much better than I am. I want you to have a better job, a better life and a better everything else. And I think like you're, I, I'm betting your dad was, you know, same thing. 100%. Yeah. We had conversations after that. And, yeah. and he's like, yeah, I just, I just, I, I just saw you guys had a future, a big future yeah. in the U S because he did, he did the same to my brother. So yeah, that, that was exactly his plan. Right. Yeah. All right. Thank Thanks for, for explaining that. I appreciate that. Sure. Back to you, man. So that's so cool, Carlos. Yeah. So, you know, back to that, you know, back to kind of that entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur conversation, which mostly people are like that. If they're listening to a podcast like this, they're ready to probably push themselves into starting their own business, which is all a real estate multifamily syndication is, you know, a form of that. What advice would you give to someone listening if they wish they were more decisive, if they need just that extra step to just keep on going? Because you start a business, you're out on a limb. You know what I mean? I do these renovations, I'm out on a limb. And it's not always comfortable. And there are times where I'm just like, you know what? I need to fire sale this thing and be done with it. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, I'm like, you know, like, well, you know, maybe I'll do it next week. And I just hang on sometimes and don't give up. For someone listening that needs to just step out on that limb to get just a little bit, you know what I mean? What advice or encouragement would you give them? Yeah, for sure. So number one, be very aware of continuing to work on your mindset. Never stop learning, never stop studying and trying to chip away at old ideas or maybe stuff you've learned growing up or maybe mindsets that are holding you back. Like I think all of us can become self-aware at some point where we find a mindset that is holding us back (laughs) or a limiting belief. So number one, work on your mindset. Secondly, Start really being selective of who you are hanging out with on a regular basis and what Mm -hmm. rooms you are in on a regular basis. Because if you're hanging out with people that are going after big things and they're doing big things, eventually that's contagious. That's going to inspire you to continue to do that and to level up to to the next level. Never be the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Never be the guy that knows it all, that, that, that that thinks that, you know, he's the, he's the wiser person. You got to seek rooms that are higher level. And then thirdly, go grab yourself a mentor, right? Find somebody that is decisive, that is a go-getter, that has achieved big things and that has the fruit on the tree that you want to go and learn from and find a way to create a, a strong relationship with that person so that you can, you know, pick up his brain or her brain and, and learn the stuff that you need and uh, also be kept accountable. Like uh, along, along the way, I've given permission to my mentors to keep me accountable and, and call me out when I'm, when I'm like retreating or not doing what I said I was going to do and stuff like that. So at some point, you're going to have to kind of give uh, uh, someone that you respect, that you admire, that you look after, that, that you look up to because of the results and say, hey, mentor, would you keep me accountable if you mm-hmm. see me uh, going the other direction? Yeah. Uh, and, and be okay with correction, right? Because I've gotten I've gotten correction from my mentors where, hey, Carlos, by the way, you didn't do what you said you were going to do or, hey, let's get back on track. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's huge. That helps you a lot to kind of be that decisive person and 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 stay on track because there is this concept that I that I admire from certain cultures where there's the apprentice culture right that that someone will come learn the business apprentice learn work sometimes even for free work for free for for a season 
Yeah. Then go and start their own business uh, on the same on the same craft somewhere else, right? And that mentorship relationship sticks around to even outgrow your mentor and go do bigger things yeah. than that person. You know, and something something you mentioned about that, you know, going back to your own life. I mean, you worked for Hewlett Packard for free for six months. I think there there's a lot of parallels and a lot of lessons to be learned in this industry as well. You know, if you're trying to get your foot in the door, that's a really good way to do it. You know, is, is go work for somebody, you know, offer to work for free, see what you can do to help them. 100%. I mean, real estate, I think, is the perfect apprenticeship uh, environment because, look, even if you have a full-time job, you could dedicate a few hours a week to work for somebody that is very successful and commit to that vision to that person and say, hey, you know, I know you have big goals. Mm -hmm. Would you let me help you with whatever you need? You tell me what I need to help you with, or these are my skills, right? I'm good with numbers. I'm good with management. I'm a good organizer. I'm a good marketer, whatever. Here's my skill set. How can I give you my skill set? Please teach me the real estate. So, Carlos, um, kind of just one question I wanted to make sure that I got in before the session ended was, I love what you said about the self-awareness and the and the gaining knowledge and the accountability, the self-awareness especially. But at some point, you got to kind of understand that you don't necessarily have a ceiling that that isn't put on by anybody else. So what do you do to overcome your lack of experience in the real estate space? What do you do? to talk to brokers and things like that. Um, how do you approach that to get that first deal? Yeah, that's a great question, Eric. So, you know, for me, you got to try to put yourself outside of your comfort zone very often. You're going to have to make some mistakes. You got to be okay with making some mistakes and just kind of swing that bat enough to, you know, strike out until it starts mm-hmm. becoming easier. So let's say calling brokers. You're picking up the phone and I would say, look, if you if your market is Dallas, Texas, and you don't want to kind of be known for the guy that doesn't know what they're doing in Dallas, start calling brokers in North Dakota or something. You know what I mean? But <laughs> just call brokers. Yeah. And and call in another market and, and start asking questions. And what you'll what you realize too is Eric, I think you don't have to be an expert to call these guys. A lot of these guys, especially right now in 2023, they're hungry for business, guys. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, brokers in 2022 were hard to get a hold of. They were they, they were like so busy that that they were unavailable most of the time. Now they're calling me every day, right? Yep. They're hungry for business. So <laughs> this is the perfect time to get your stripes and yeah. learn and start calling and 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 say, hey, you know what? I'm getting started in, in multifamily real estate. Can I ask you some questions? I know you've been in the business for 10 years, five years. I mean, if you go to their LinkedIn, most of them tell you how long they've been in the business. Mm -hmm. So you kind of do a little research about them. People love to talk about themselves. And brokers, if you kind of know a little bit about them before you call and you say, hey, man, I see you've been with with, uh, this real estate company for this long. You won this award. Congratulations. Hey, by the way, I'm getting started in multifamily. I have people that are interested in investing. Uh, can I ask you a few questions about the deal you have going on? I bet you, you you'll be received completely different than if you call and just try to pretend you're an expert, yeah. right? Uh, because these guys just just want some business and it's a perfect way to kind of use their time in a way to get educated and for you, Eric, to gain that confidence that you need as a beginner uh, to now start calling the people in your market where you're interested where, you know, now it's prime time yep. and you, you got to perform. Awesome. Well, we, we are out of time. And I got one final question for each of you. 
And that's, Carlos, you get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Yes. Yeah, so thanks, uh, Brian, for for the opportunity. You know, you guys can find me on pretty much every social media channel. Yeah. Um, my name is Carlos Alguero again. I'm at Carlos10x on, on Instagram. But it's easy. If you Google Carlos Alguero, I'll probably pop, you know, in the first yeah. 20 results. Uh, my investment company, CS3 Investments, and uh, we actually not only acquire a large amount of real estate, but we mentor people on how to get into multifamily, how to analyze properties, find deals, yep. talk to brokers, and you know do everything from A to Z, and really learn this business from start to finish, and go do what I've done yeah. in my career. Yeah. And if, if you notice, you know, he talked a lot about the mentors in his life. I'm a big fan of mentorship myself. And you know, I think everybody needs a mentor in, in some part of, of business or what have you. So if you're interested in, in what he offers, you know, give him a call, you know, go out to his website, reach out to him. And uh, we'll have the information that he stated in the show notes for you guys to look up. And then Eric, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Yeah, so um, I'm on LinkedIn under my regular name, Eric Burns, E-R-I-C-B-U-R-N-S. My website and my company is Flowers Capital, flowers like the plant, capital like money, um, dot com. And my email address is eric at flowerscapital.com. And there's a note from the uh, founder on there that kind of gives you a little overview about a little more about my why. So um, I'd love to hear from you all. And Carlos, Brian, thank you both very much. Absolutely. I was just going to say the same thing. Thank you to you two for coming on the show today and appreciate your time and for sharing your stories. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already, and then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.